0: Today, uh, we're going to move into chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, and we're going to talk today about dirty jobs. Don't know anything about that, Rob, do you? Um, I, I guess first thing I would say uh, about uh, jobs and uh, working situations is that every job, you might want to take a note here, because you might not know this, but every job Stinks true. It's dirty. There is no job that doesn't have some elements of it that are unpleasant, that aren't fun, that you dread, that make you crazy, that frustrate. There is no such thing as a perfect job. And uh, I just wanted to read from Genesis chapter 3 where that uh, all began. Uh, Genesis 3 verse 17, cursed is the ground because of you. Though painful toil, you will, through painful toil, you'll eat from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You'll eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you'll eat your food. Um, Here's the point there's lots of thorns and thistles in work, there's lots of sweat and frustration. Um, the, The truth is, there is a part of every job that makes you miserable and mean. So uh, here's the first thing you need to know about work, is there is no such thing, Henry, as a perfect job, okay? There is no such thing as a perfect job. And some of us have this myth in our head, well, if I could just find the perfect, no, even in a good situation, there'll be parts of that job that will frustrate you, that will make you crazy, that will make you angry, that will make you want to quit every job stinks and that's because of what happened in Genesis chapter 3 um, we're going to look today at the first two verses of 1st Timothy chapter 6 and, and in those verses are some enduring principles that apply throughout history to every culture throughout every age They've applied all the way down through church history, and now they are still in place in 2013 in northern Michigan. And here's what I believe. If we'll grab hold of those principles and not just know them but put them into practice, they have the potential to begin to slowly change the place you work. Did you know that? The Lord planted you in the place where you work so that you could have an impact on that environment. Uh, He puts you exactly where you're at right now. Even that dirty job that stinks, yep, he puts you there. But here's here's the thing, if you're a follower of Jesus today, you have the potential to begin to transform your work environment. Matter of fact, that's what we're called to as followers of Christ. They're on the job to make a difference. So that's what we're going to talk about just two verses we're going to focus on. And uh, would you stand with me? I know you just stood, but hey, it's good. It's, it's aerobic church this morning, right? We're, we can handle it. Verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Would you read with me? This is God's word. Let's declare it out loud together. All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect so that God's name and our teaching May not be slandered. Those who have believing masters are not to show less respect for them because they are brothers. Instead, they are to serve them even better because those who benefit from their service are believers and dear to them. These are the things you are to teach and urge on them. Let's pray. Lord, we... uh, recognize that uh, most of us are going to spend 40, 50, 60 hours of our lives for 30, 40, 50 years of our lives on the job. So Lord, I'm praying that these principles that you've written down and preserved for us would come alive today in your church. Lord, help us to understand exactly what you are trying to communicate Timothy to communicate to the church at Ephesus that we need to grab a hold of in the church at Walloon. Lord, would you show us? Show us uh, how we should view our jobs. Lord, would you show us how we should view our bosses, our employers? Lord, would you show us how we should view the environments that you've chosen for us to work in? We invite your spirit to come and lead and guide. I I suspect there are some here who are absolutely miserable in their current job situation. So Lord, I'm asking that uh, you might show us how to deal with such a situation. We need your help. We need your guidance. We're thankful for your word. It definitely speaks to us and points us in directions we wouldn't go on our own. Help us to hear clearly today from the lips of your son Jesus because it's his word we just read out loud. And all the church gathered at Walloon Lake said with a loud voice, Good job. You may be seated. It's estimated, again, you know, they're historians, but it's estimated that up to half Up to 50% of the entire Roman population, New Testament times, were slaves. Just let that soak in. Half the population, Jerry, were slaves. The reason that was was because the Roman army was a really effective fighting machine. And they would go and they would conquer opposing armies and countries... And large percentages of the defeated nations would become slaves of Roman, the Roman citizens and the Roman army. So large numbers of people were slaves because their country, their army lost in battle with Rome. And then uh, if you were born, uh, your parents were slaves, then you would become slaves uh, born into that family as well. Uh, The other thing that was unique, Burl, at that time, was oftentimes if you were in a bad situation and you didn't have good housing and you weren't weren't able to feed yourself and your family, it was common in in Roman times, in biblical times, to go and you would sell yourself or sell your entire family into slavery. And then the deal would be, now you're going to give us... Uh, room and board as we become your slaves. So there wasn't the social safety nets that we have today. Uh, Instead, you would go and you would sell yourself to uh, someone who was wealthy and could take care of you. So that's what was going on here, Uh, whereas in the United States, slavery was primarily race-based. And again, I think most of us are aware, conditions were often awful and evil, slavery in New Testament times was primarily economic-based. And what was interesting in biblical times, oftentimes you could earn your freedom. And many, many slaves were able to uh, gain their freedom. 1 Corinthians 7.21 says, Slaves, if you get your freedom, enjoy it. Go for it. You've been freed. Live as uh, free men. So again, we know that, that many times, biblical times at, at this time, uh, people were able to gain their freedom. And yet, for 50 to 60 million people who were slaves, think about it, they were property of someone else. They belonged uh, to, to another person. And... and They could literally sell you like they would a used car today. Uh, And oftentimes that's how they were treated, like a used car. And and now I don't need you anymore, or you're not working as hard as I think you should be, so you'd trade in your slave. Or you could be bought by, by somebody down the road or in another town. Understand their rights were minimal, and abuse was pretty common. So, the Apostle Paul is writing to a culture where slavery was rampant. I mean, there were slaves everywhere. Uh, And it was likely that there were not just slaves in the church at Ephesus, but slave owners in the church at Ephesus. So that's the situation that the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy. He's saying, get your act together. Things are messed up. I want you to do it my way. And uh, apparently, now listen close. Apparently, some of the slaves who were Christians were tired of being slaves for their masters. And look at verse 2. You'll see that it seems that some of their masters were Christians. And now they're saying, you know what? I don't have to work as hard or you should cut me some slack or you should set me free Because I'm a follower of Christ and so are you, and you need to treat me differently as such. That's what verse 2 is all about. But verse 1 is all about the slaves who are just weary of being slaves. They were sick and tired of their jerk masters. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, They didn't like their situation. They were sick of their their, uh, condition in life. And now they were ready to take action. I'm I'm weary of this. I don't want to be a slave anymore. Now look at verse 1. Note what Paul instructs Timothy to teach and urge in the church at Ephesus. He says, all who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect. Allow me to state the obvious. That's part of my job. So here's the obvious. Um, I don't think anybody here is a slave. Best of my knowledge, no one owns another person. Now, you know, in your head, you might feel like, well, they treat me like a slave. They might, but, but you're not owned, and you're not their property, and they can't sell you, and you could quit, and you could move on. Again, the obvious is, as a whole, at least in northern Michigan, There's not many slaves, and if there are, we're going to tell Jerry and we'll end that, okay? So the truth is, their situation that Paul is writing to is a whole lot more dire, a whole lot more serious, a whole lot worse than our situations as employers, maybe with bosses who are jerks. You understand? I, I'm not minimizing where some of us are today, but I'm just telling you the situation that was going on in the church at Ephesus with these slaves. It, it was it was a lot worse than your situation or mine. Okay? But the principles they apply, they endure. So we need to grab a hold of the principle that he's sending to Timothy to teach to the church at Ephesus. We need to grab a hold of that for today. It applies. Regarding those who have jobs, or maybe you're here and you're gonna have a job down the road. Okay? So look at verse one, and this is interesting how it starts. The first word of verse one is what? That's like everybody. Well, well what, what if my boss is a jerk, Pastor Jeff? Uh, what if my boss is not very smart? Matter of fact, I think my boss is pretty stupid, uh, if I'm honest. And what if I don't like my boss? And and worse, Michael, what if he doesn't like me? And what if everyone at work agrees with me? Are you ready for the principle? Here's the principle. You can write it down if you're taking notes because you need to grab this. This is enduring and lasting. If you know Jesus personally, even if your boss is a jerk, we're told to respect and obey them. Even if your boss is a royal jerk, you and I are called as followers of Christ to respect and obey them. Paul has already written to the church Ephesians 6 5 and 6 you can read it later here's what he says, slaves obey your earthly masters with respect just as you would obey Christ obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes on you but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God. Doing the will of God. Now, here's the obvious question. Ready, Michael? Here, here it is. Pastor Jeff, why would I want to obey and respect a boss who's a jerk? <laughs> he, he's mean. He's nasty. He hasn't earned my respect. He doesn't deserve my respect and my obedience Why would I do that? I'm going to give you three reasons according to God's Word. You ready? Here we go. First reason why we should obey and respect even a boss that's a jerk is because it makes Jesus look good. It really makes Jesus look good. And I like how Pastor Larry Osborne put it. He said, The reputation of Jesus is more important than our rights. Let that soak in for a moment. The reputation of Jesus Christ is way more important than our rights. And yet we don't normally think that way, do we? You mean there's something that's more important to, than how I'm being treated by my boss? There's something that matters more? And, and the answer is, you better believe it, the reputation of Jesus matters more than my rights people decide what they think of Jesus based on what they think of us think about that verlin and, and as they look at you and as they look at me they'll decide what they think about Jesus based on what they think about us and uh, that is pretty sobering cuz cuz I'm on the job and I know and I love Jesus And yet, every time the whining and the complaining choir starts to sing, I I sing bass for them, right? And and I love to sing, yeah, it's fun to, to whine and complain, and we're not getting paid enough, and I hate these conditions. And if we're on the job and we're regularly coming in late, if we're on the job and we take the extra 15 minutes for lunch, I'm on the job and I regularly take extra breaks whenever it's possible and when when the boss is around I'm working hard and whenever the boss isn't looking guess what I'm doing (laughs) as little as possible as little as possible I'm gonna get away with anything I possibly can and I have my rights and my opinions and I'm not doing anything that's not on my job description and I'm going to tell everybody what a jerk my boss is. So, think with me now. When those of us who claim to be followers of Christ are behaving that way, what do you suppose the boss and your fellow employees and the customers think of your Jesus? Do you see the problem? When we're just living as though I got my rights. I'm going to be taken care of when we're constantly showing up late and got bad attitudes and we're judgmental and doing as little as possible. Then the people around us are saying, "Mm, I don't want anything to do with your Jesus. I don't want anything to do with his church. Because if if that judgmental and negativity is what it means to be a Christian, no thank you. I want nothing to do with it. Look back at verse 1. I want you to see it. It says, so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. The reputation of Jesus and his word, the Bible, (laughs) they should be lifted high when we are on the job. I'll say it one last time. Why? Because the reputation of Jesus Christ is way more important than my rights. It's way more important than your rights. And, And I'm telling you, We need to grab a hold of that and and just ask the Lord to burn it on our hard drives. Lord, tattoo that on my soul. Lord, Lord, help me constantly remember when they're not treating me like I think I deserve, your reputation is more important than my rights. If you don't get that down, then when we're on the job, we're going to be an awful testimony and an awful commercial for King Jesus. Second reason why I respect and I work hard and obey even a boss who's a jerk. Okay, ready? Here we go. Second reason why is because my real boss is not the one who signs my paycheck. You know that, right? My real boss is not the one who is there at work. My real boss, if I'm a follower of Jesus, is who? It's Jesus. It's <laughs> Jesus. He's the boss that matters. He's the one that put me in this job. This is my ministry assignment for him. And I need to recognize that I ultimately work for Jesus Christ. Four times in Ephesians 6, 5 to 7, he says we obey, we respect our earthly boss because my real boss is Jesus. I'm a slave of Jesus. I work for him. I live for him. And our real boss, if we're a Christian, is Jesus Christ. Because if our focus is on our earthly boss, think about it, even the best bosses at times mess up. Did you know that, Jake? Even the best bosses will disappoint and frustrate you, Henry. No, you don't have to yell amen. I know you can't do that, right? But even the best bosses at times are going to mess up. And here's the problem, when, when your boss messes up, even if he's a pretty good boss, part of the time, when everybody else starts to uh, play roast the boss, you're going to join in. You're going to start singing bass or, or soprano in the choir. I agree. And we're not getting our rights, and they're not treating us like we deserve. The mindset needs to be, listen, no, I, I work for Jesus, my, my work habits, my attitude daily, I want everybody to see that my real boss isn't this person, I work for Jesus. And suddenly now, everything changes. So until you understand that your real boss at core is Jesus, you're going to be susceptible to a bad attitude. <laughs> you're going to constantly be aware of when they're not treating you just exactly exactly you deserve to be treated you got to get in mind no no I work for Jesus and he put me here and I'm representing him and I'm living strong for Jesus not for my earthly boss third reason we respect and obey and work hard even for a demanding demeaning uh, ornery boss is because it's a command Sometimes you do it because the Bible says to do it. It's what God's word says we're to do. Look again at verse 1. All, all who work, all who are, it's a military term here, all who are under the command of someone, this applies to. Listen to 1 Peter 2. Slaves, workers in reverent fear of God, submit yourself to your masters, to your bosses. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Peter uses the word harsh. I use the word jerk. But you do this even for harsh, jerkish bosses. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering, because they're conscious of God. But how is it to your credit, if you're always slacking off, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, And you receive a beating for doing wrong. If they they let you go or if they don't give you the raise, and, and now you endure it. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his steps. Christ suffered for us. Listen, and he's our example. And he endured suffering, and now he's telling us, guess what? On the job, Christian, we're going to endure suffering and injustice, and people are going to say things that they shouldn't have said about us. And at times it's going to be unfair, and they're going to be throwing extra work on us, and they're slacking. Expect it, because we're following the example of Jesus. If that's the way they treated him, that's the way they're going to treat us. But instead, modern-day Christians, this is how we tend to behave. How dare you treat me that way? I'm not doing that. I have my rights. We protest. We picket. We hire lawyers. We whine. We slander. We gossip. I'm going to power my way into getting what I want done here on the job. And how's that going for you? (laughs) How's that doing on the environment? How's that doing on changing your boss's heart. Here's what you need to understand. This tiny band of Christ followers in the New Testament turned the world upside down. How did they do that? Did they do it through protest and power grabs? Did they do it through demanding their rights? Did they do that through picketing and all sorts of, we're, we're going to force you into this? They didn't do it that way. You know what they did? They lived strong for Jesus everywhere they went, especially on the job. And they turned the Roman world upside down for the cause of Christ. Isn't that not amazing? But, but they did it through living strong for Jesus. Not all the ways that we typically resort to. And I'll say it one more time. Jesus showed us the way. Jesus endured awful stuff for us, endured the horrors of the cross for us, and now we're called to endure for him and for the sake of the gospel. Listen, it's when the work environment is the hardest and the harshest and the cruelest that Jesus shines the brightest as we live for him. Do you understand? So, if you're in a really bad situation, as you live Jesus in that bad, you, you've never shown brighter than you are in that situation. Well, are there limits, Pastor Jeff? Are, are, there, are, are there limits to how far I have to go in obeying my boss? Uh, how, how far do I have to go in, in listening to what he has to say? Well the first you need to understand, yeah, there are limits. Acts five twenty-nine. The Jewish leaders order Paul, Peter, and the apostles, you, you can't share Christ anymore. You may not tell them about Jesus and the cross anymore. Remember what they said, Acts five twenty-nine? We must obey God rather than men. I'm sorry, but we must obey God rather than men. So If your boss is asking you to do something that's illegal, if your boss is asking you to do something that's immoral, unethical, sinful, are you ready? Then with tact and prayer and kindness and a soft tone, you need to gently explain that as a follower of Jesus, you just can't do what they're asking you to do. If it's Illegal, immoral, unethical, sinful, you need to pray hard and then gently, softly explain why you can't do that. And then you better be ready to accept the consequences. Right, Michael? Because sometimes, no matter how gentle you are, no matter how kind you are, it's not going to be received well. And oftentimes, when you say no to the boss, there's gonna be consequences there were consequences for the apostles when they said no to the authorities remember what happened they got beat they they, they were beaten with with the cat of nine tails and and later on Stephen said no I'm not gonna quit talking about Jesus remember what happened to Stephen they stoned him to death remember John the Baptist said to Herod no I'm not gonna be quiet I'm not gonna quit speaking truth to you what happened to Herod He lost his head. I'm just telling you, there sometimes is going to be consequences. But the fact is, most of the time, most of our bosses aren't asking us to do things that are illegal or immoral or unethical or sinful. Instead, they're asking me to do something that I don't feel like doing. Or I consider what they want me to do. That's gross. I, I don't want to clean that bathroom. Or, or they're asking me to do something that I think stupid and I shouldn't have to do. That's not a part of my job description. Or they're telling me something that I don't appreciate the way you just said it. It felt demeaning. It felt offensive. It felt disrespectful. So what happens when that's going on? It's not illegal. It's not immoral. It's not unethical. It's not sinful. What happens then? Ephesians 6, 1 Peter 2, 1 Timothy 6 says this. If it's not illegal, immoral, unethical, sinful, ready? You obey with a smile. And with a quick prayer, Lord, help. Because I understand sometimes they're unreasonable and they're asking me to do something that's hard. And I don't want to do this, but Lord, by your grace, I'm called to obey. I'm called to respect. I worked at uh, Sears for three years while I was in Bible school. And uh, I remember a customer who came and this customer was unreasonable. This customer was working the system. Um, They had some paperwork, but what they were saying didn't line up with the paperwork. And what they were demanding was frankly a lie, and they were cheating, and they were taking advantage, so we were instructed, when you get such a customer, you call a black tag, that was the big shot managers, so I called the black tag who was on duty, the black tag came and dealt with the customer, so I'm standing next to the black tag, and he listens, and then he refunds her the entire amount, and he's so nice and kind and takes care of her. And out she goes, and she knew she'd worked the system. She knew she would lied. She knew she'd gotten away with it. So I said, uh, Mr. Blacktag, um, can I just ask you a question? Why did you do that? <laughs> you know she was lying to you. You know she was working the system. And, and he said, come with me. And I follow him, and he takes me outside. And uh, we're outside. And he points up to the sign, he says, what does it say? I says, it says Sears. No, he says, what does it say underneath? It says, customer satisfaction guaranteed. That's why I did what I did. Whoa. Now, now here's, here's my point there. If an unsaved black tag boss at Sears could handle that situation for the reputation of Sears, track with me now. Why can't we who know Jesus Christ at times live and work through hard stuff for the reputation of Jesus Christ? You tracking with me? Because I'm just telling you, that was hard for that black tag, and I know it wasn't pleasant, but he did that for the reputation of Sears, And we're called as followers of Christ to do hard stuff for the reputation of the greatest company, the biggest corporation, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can we do the same for the reputation of Jesus Christ and his kingdom and his church? What if you're here today and you hate your job? I won't ask you to lift your hands um, because your boss might be in the crowd too. But uh, some of you, I suspect, would just say, you know what, I dread every day going to work. Uh, i It's miserable. I, I find no satisfaction in it. It's its its a horrible job. I hate my job. So, what do you do then? Well, obviously, then you need to go into severe prayer mode. Because who puts you in the job you're right in right now? Who puts you there? Can I ask? Who, is, as the Lord who works all things together for good and in his children's lives, who put you in the current job? Answer the question. Go ahead, say it out loud. The Lord, Jesus, God Almighty. Yeah, he did. Therefore, you better seek his mind before you go running out the door. So I would say, if that's you today, you need to say, Lord, uh, would you show me clearly if I have permission to move on? Lord, would you make it clear and obvious if I have freedom to move from this situation? that that I'm not enjoying right now I would uh, encourage you if you're here there you might want to consider for the next week health permitting skip lunch and for lunch every every day this week if that's you don't eat lunch and spend that time instead of eating focusing on lord would you make yourself clear to me I'm listening show me do I need to stay here and learn to endure and remain under the pressure? Or, Lord, is it okay if I, if I move on? The fact is, the slaves here, think about it. The slaves that Paul was writing to, they had no recourse. They were stuck, Henry. <laughs> they were slaves. They were property. They had no recourse. There was no quitting. There was no finding another job. So, so just understand the situation but if we have a job and we hate it and we're miserable and the Lord gives you freedom to move on, you ready? Quit. <laughs> Find another job. And I've had this conversation with people and here's what they say, but, but Pastor Jeff, I can't quit this job. And I say, well, why not? You hate it. Well, it's got good benefits. <laughs> and it's not a bad salary. It's not great. And, you know, I really like northern Michigan, and I love it, and my wife loves it, and my kids are at the age in school, and I've got seniority, and and, and now they're telling me all these reasons why they can't quit the job they say they hate. And if that's you, here's what you need to know. Then the job you're in right now, that's the best available job for you in all the world because this is the one... That you need to stay in. And I would argue that you need to send flowers to your boss. Okay? You need to write a thank you letter. Thank you for allowing me. Well, I don't like. Well, if if you don't have any recourse, then you need to appreciate where you're at. You need to make the most of your situation. Bloom where you're planted. Okay? Uh, Again, this is the best job available to you. Lord, give me an attitude adjustment. The truth is, followers of Christ... We need to begin praying daily for that cranky boss. Lord, pray for these challenging fellow employees. Lord, help me with these customers who I don't seem to be able to to please. Here's the goal. Every employer in northern Michigan should want to hire followers of Jesus as their employees. We should be the best employees. We should be the hardest workers, the most diligent, the most loyal, the most giving. We're we're doing extra stuff. The employers of northern Michigan should look at Christians and say, man, I don't want to hire anybody else because they're amazing employees. That should be the goal here. And, And yet the reality is something different, isn't it? A lot of times, we're the crankiest. We're we're the whiniest. We're the ones who are trying to do the least. Do, Do you understand, when we behave that way on the job, how is that sending the message of Christ to your boss and your fellow employees and the customers? Here's the challenge. If you're a follower of Christ, Lord, by your grace, I want to make you look good. Every day when I'm on the job, I want to shine bright and best for you. And I want to remember, Lord, that you're my real boss. You're the one I'm really working for. And Lord, this is hard, but you suffered for me, and now there's going to be times I'm going to have to endure suffering for the cause of Christ and to live strong for you. Wouldn't it be amazing if everybody here today who has a job If starting tomorrow on the job, you started behaving this way, I I think the potential is there to change your work environment. I think the potential is there to change your boss. You start living regularly this way, they're going to know something's up, something's different about you. And listen closely, if all of us as a church body started living that way, I think the potential is to change northern Michigan. How do you know that? Because that's exactly what they did in the early church. Everywhere they went, even when they were slaves and it was awful, they lived large for Jesus Christ. They endured suffering. They showed love and kindness, great work ethic, honest, trustworthy. Negativity was missing because they were there to shine bright for Christ. That's the challenge willing to pick it up willing to put it into practice how about tomorrow how about starting tomorrow I dare you let's pray Lord the truth is you uh, don't think like we do (laughs) your book um, your ways are higher than ours and that's just the truth You have plans and ideas for us that don't come naturally. So, first of all, I want to say thank you. Thank you for giving us clarity from your word regarding even the hard stuff. And, Lord, I don't make light of the fact that some of my friends here have really hard, difficult, challenging, painful work situations. And yet, Lord, we recognize that as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that's where you've placed us for our current ministry assignment. So, Lord, I'm going to ask right now that you'd make us hungry to make your son Jesus look good on the job. Help us to remember, Lord, that uh, your reputation is far more important than our rights. And, Lord, uh, may we somehow get tattooed on our soul that you're the real boss. You're the one that really matters. And ultimately, our lives are lived and all of our work is done for Jesus Christ. So, Lord, would you give us courage to be doers of your word, even when it's hard? Especially when it's hard? Lord, help us to shine bright in a really dark world. And Lord, a lot of us work in pretty dark environments, and I'm asking that we begin shining bright and strong. And by your grace, I'm asking, Lord, that lives and cultures and job places would be changed. So as we close, I just need to ask, is there anybody here who'd say, you know, um, I hate my job, uh, or I got a really jerk of a boss, or my fellow employees, you can't believe it, I'm miserable, it's hard, it's painful, it's demeaning, it's it's frustrating. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me as we close, Pastor Jeff? Anybody? I'm not going to call you out, but I'd love to pray for you as we close. Anybody say that's me? That's, that's where I'm at? Yeah. Are there others? Yeah. Anybody else? Or maybe you're saying, I'm so miserable, I think I might need another job. Would you pray regarding that? Anybody say that? That might be. Would, would you pray that I'd know whether I have permission to move on? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Are there others? Yeah. Lord, I pray for my friends who are struggling at the job. Give them strength and the ability through your spirit to shine bright, to live strong for your son Jesus, even in the middle of bosses and work environments that are hard and frustrating and challenging. Lord, uh, help us all to remember that the reputation of your son Jesus Christ is way more important than our rights. Lord, we know that to be true. Lord, help us to start living that way. May we begin to make Jesus look real and genuine and attractive to the people who work next to us. And uh, Lord, help us not to forget that ultimately we work for your son Jesus, every one of us. Whether we draw a paycheck or not, Lord, ultimately your son Jesus is our boss. And finally, Lord, for those who are thinking about quitting and moving on, would you make that clear to them? As they seek and knock and ask, Lord, would they sense your obvious direction for their employment? And Lord, if you give them permission to move on, I'm asking that in due time, you'll raise up just the right place you have in mind for them uh, to go to and uh, help them to realize wherever they go is going to be, dirty and stink and be challenging and not perfect either. We love you, and I'm asking that we as your church would start living Jesus daily. This dark world desperately needs to see Jesus regularly, daily, in our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray all these things.